0: I'll pray with me, would you? God, thank you so much that you are good. Our future is not dependent, God, on, on our machinations, on our hard work, on, on our abilities. God, our future is grounded in who you are and what you have done. Oh, God, we just rejoice today for for hope god the hope that's represented in this miracle of this new child god salome sarah kate johnson oh my gosh thank you god for your faithfulness and hearing our cry and bringing her into this world god we join with doug and kim with jake and hannah our missionaries god he just ask that this child would know nothing but the joy of the Lord. She would know nothing but the peace of Christ. She would know nothing but the love of God through her family all the days of her life. Again, I know that there are many in our midst who need you right now. God. Just like the people of God from the very beginning, you bring us to these places where we can't go forward on our own, where we have no strength, no wisdom, no insight. We don't have understanding God to be able to navigate. Even the circumstances of our own lives, like the people of Israel, you bring us between the mountains and the sea. You ask us, will you trust me? Will you put your weight down on who I am and on what I'm able to do? And God, as we've celebrated this morning, you prove yourself faithful. Even when the answer is not what we wanted or expected, you prove yourself glorious, God. You pour out your mercies on us. Oh, God, as we come together in worship here in the sanctuary, but... God, in the sanctuary of time, which encompasses all those throughout the world who are joining us today, we just ask you meet us in this place. God, we add our voices to myriad others. We pray what Jesus taught them to pray. Saying together, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Oh, man. Our uh, first scripture for today comes from Psalm 13. I invite you to turn on your phones or in your Bibles or in your scrolls, whatever uh, tool you're using to access God's word today to Psalm 13, if you would. While you're turning there, I have to confess that um, I was one of those who thought um, this um, pestilence would be over in that month. Maybe two, right? Do you remember? Oh, by summer we'll be back together, right? And uh, and I found myself uh, joining the saints of old who cried out to God, "How long, God? How long is this going to go on?" Did you find yourself doing that too? Um, now I I don't want to overstate this because yes, um, it was a terrible pestilence, and we lost our own family members uh, to the disease, right? But, but we know that that God never promised us that there wouldn't be hardship, that there wouldn't be loss. What he did promise us was hope and a future. And in my, in my brokenness, and my humanity, I, I still said, oh, God, how long, right? And for whatever reason, my heart's heavy today because I just know there's so many here, even in this room and watching online. It may not be the pestilence. It may be. But you're saying, how long, God? I've been crying out to you. How long? Well, let's go on. Hear the word of God from Psalm 13. David, the author of so many songs and prayers in the book of Psalms, says these words How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long? God, shall my enemy be exalted over me. Oh, Consider and answer me, O Lord. There's that name Yahweh. My God, light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemy say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. Look at this. So many Psalms. I love it. He confesses his brokenness. He confesses his uncertainties, right? But even in the midst of his prayer, God meets him. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Can you say that last line with me? I will sing to the Lord, because he has dealt bountifully with me. The very word of God. Oh, thank you, God. Uh, turn with me now, would you, to our passage for today. It comes from Daniel chapter 9. We, we spent um, most of our time last week in the first half of Daniel 9. That that astounding prayer. That astounding identification of Daniel with the people of God. There's so many powerful lessons in there. But today we get to the back half of that. Today we, we get to the response of God. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, to, because of time, I'm going to read just the first few verses of that response. But we will cover that together. Many of you will cover that in your small group studies this week. Beginning in verse 20 of, of Daniel chapter 9. While I was speaking, Daniel says, And praying while I was confessing my sin and the sin of my people, Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord, my God, for the holy hill of my God, for Jerusalem. While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, this angel that had appeared to him before, right, whom I had seen in the vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice, sometime around three or four o'clock in the afternoon. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Verse 24, 70 weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, and to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and prophet, and to anoint a most holy place. The very word of God. No, thank you, God. Well, again, many of us have been saying, how long will it be? Have there ever been times in your life when you found yourself wondering that same thing? How long, oh Lord? How long will these struggles last? How long will these disappointments last? How long will I be in these financial difficulties? How long will these health issues persist? How long will the difficulties in this relationship last? How long will I struggle with this addiction? How long will these intense temptations last? How long, oh Lord, will it take me to get over this loss? I find so much comfort in knowing that godly women And men have gone through those same struggles. It seems, doesn't it, that there are periods of time when, like in verse 1 of of Psalm 13, it appears that God has forgotten us. I, I love it that David was confident enough in God to say, have you forgotten me, God? It seems like sometimes God has hidden his face, the back half of verse 1. For some inexplicable reason, we don't sense his presence with us it's almost like he intentionally puts us in those places where we don't feel his presence and oftentimes every day seems like a struggle wrestling with our thoughts as the psalmist said in verse 2 every day seems to bring sorrow the back half of verse 2 we seem to be losing the battle and the enemy seems to be triumphing over us Again, the third part of verse 2. How do we respond? How do we respond in times like this? Well, don't forget last week. I'm moving on, but I'm building on what we learned in the first half of chapter 9 last week. Last week, we saw the first response of Daniel. Repentance and identification with the sins of his people. We recognize that he also suffered with the people of God. And and we recognized last week that to the extent that that we live among sinful people, we will suffer with the sin of the people around us. And and the solution is not to to pretend that we're not a part of it. The solution is to identify it, and on, on behalf of our ourselves, on behalf of our our nation, to identify with the sins around us. But today he adds another another thing. I, I don't want you to miss this. Because sometimes this is all that you have, right? Daniel, please for mercy. He pleads for mercy, and and what I love about this, right? Every time God identifies Himself, right? I delivered you out of Jesus, out of Jesus. I delivered you out of Egypt. I, I am a merciful God. And and when Gabriel shows up to Daniel, the first thing that he says, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, God heard. God heard, right? Well, what are these pleas? I want to just accent for a second. They're, they're pleas for yourself. You can cry out to God and say, like, like so many who came before Jesus, oh, have mercy on me. Have mercy on me. Don't hesitate to pray for yourself. Plead mercy for yourself. One of my favorite psalms is Psalm 57. I have this privilege of, of working my way through the psalms every month. And, and, and it's gotten to the point where um, as I anticipate the numbers, I read five of them. And as I anticipate the numbers, then, then um, the words come to me. And Psalm 57 says, be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me. For in you, my soul takes refuge. In the shadow of your wings, I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Psalm 57, 1. Don't hesitate to plead for mercy for yourself. But I'm going to invite you to extend this as well. Plead for mercy for your family, right? Plead for mercy for your family as well remember that uh, I, I love that about um, about job that he pleaded for his family and he even prayed for things that he, he said in case they have messed up god he pleaded for them your sphere of primary influence i know I, i like you want to want to uh, impact the world around me for the kingdom of God. But the primary place of worship, or excuse me, of influence is in your own family. It is in your own family. Plea for mercy for yourself, for your family, but plea also for your city. Please also for your city. I, I want to suggest to you that, that I believe that the city that you live in is is your sphere of secondary influence. Remember how we have been praying for our neighbors? My app still prompts me every day, gives me five neighbors to pray for, right? And and it's gotten so, because I pray for about 40 of my neighbors in my immediate neighborhood, and and it's gotten so as I'm walking in the neighborhood, I go, yep, there they are, you know? And it's it's just this privilege of crying out on behalf of your neighbors. Um, We saw in Jeremiah 29 that, That it begins in our city. Plant gardens, he said. You know, get married. Have children. Be fruitful in the place I have put you. Plea for mercy for our city. I'm privileged to pray with several different groups during the course of the week. A couple of them are pastors groups. And uh, one of them is a pretty diverse pastors group. of People from all backgrounds. And what a privilege just to fall on our knees together. And and to pray for this city, I am. Well, I'm gonna. I'm, I don't want to be arrogant in that, but I, I'm just convinced that God has answered those prayers. Our city has been blessed, and we have dodged a lot of trials in the midst of this last year, um, because people pray, because people pray. No, I think I put on the notes, um, pray for your nation, and I put it in brackets there because because yes, um, it's critical to pray for our nation as well, but. But what struck me as I was uh, preparing for this message is that the way to influence our nation is, is not to pray for something out there. It's to pray for something right here. Start with yourself, with your family, and with your city. As you do that, if we can win ourselves, if we can win our families, if we can win our city for the gospel, right, then the nation will take care of itself. Right? Um, plead for mercy, right? But then Gabriel also encouraged him to receive insight and understanding, right? He, Gabriel, Daniel 9.22, made me understand, speaking with me and saying, Oh, Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. Well, How do we receive this, right? How do we receive it? We cry out for it. Um, Proverbs 2, verses 3, the whole Proverbs 2, 1 through 6 is beautiful. But in verses 3 and 5, he says, yes, if you call out for insight, if you raise your voice for understanding, then you will understand the fear of God and find the knowledge of God. It's, It's when you cry out for it, give me understanding. Are there some things in your life that you just cannot understand that you can't fit together? And and particularly the difficult ones are the ones where it doesn't seem to fit together what you're experiencing with what you know, right? Cry out, speak aloud, God, help me understand, right? Give me insight, right? But then he invites you to take another step. Consider the word. How many times have we cried out for something that God has already spoken to us about? Right. Consider the word. I'm I'm working ahead because uh, we're after after Easter we're going to be returning to the Book of Revelation and so I've been doing a lot of work and preparing for that. It intimidates the socks off me, believe me. Um, but but it's so much fun as I as I um, think about those things to be able to. To say to God, God, I am helpless if you don't help me with your word. If you don't give me insight and instruction. And so I invite you, consider the word. Make the word a part of your diet. It might be, like Cheryl, I saw you had the, the little devotional book. It might be with a devotion book. It might be that that you just... in. In your daily quiet time, focus on a couple of verses and let God speak to you. I can I can promise you this. As you consider God's word, as you uh, make it a part of your daily diet, your capacity for his word will increase. You read about people that have amazing uh, uh, capacity for the word of God. Well, they didn't start that way, right? They just started maybe with one verse, one verse. One chapter, they started small, and and God increased their ability to digest it. Consider the Word of God. I invite you uh, also, it's just a power that comes when you're with other people who are considering the Word of God. Right here in the facility, there'll be an in-person Sunday school class following this hour. You are welcome to join that. There'll be also um, an online one. And, uh, and if I finish on time, we'll get you guys home in time to get to those to the online one. But but um, there's several during the week. Join with other people. Um, think about with your family. Hey, let's just look at this passage together. What do you learn about God? What do you learn about people from this passage? Would love to help you deepen your. Experience of the word of God. So Gabriel says cry out for this. Right. Consider the word. Understand the vision. Right. Understand the vision. Note that I didn't say try and make the vision fit with your understanding. I didn't say try and make the vision fit with current events. I said try and understand the word as God Gives it to you. Let's use the seventy weeks of Daniel as a as a sample. Can we do that? Let me just say right up front that that godly men and women disagree on uh, what the interpretation of this uh, amazing vision that God gave Daniel. Right? He prayed. Forgive me, he pled for mercy. In response, God gave him a vision, not only for his future, but for the future of the people of God and for your and my future as well. Right? God answered him far above but as in previous visions he was overwhelmed he sought to understand there are pieces of this puzzle that are not in place yet and so when we try too hard to squeeze them all into what we think we know we can we can uh, end up going down a trail that that later uh, we realized was not the plan of God but let's let's hear Gabriel's words to understand this vision let's Let's ask ourselves, what was the purpose of the vision for Daniel, right? What was the purpose of the vision for Daniel? Keep in mind, we saw last week that as he began to pray, he had been studying God's word. He had been considering God's word, the very thing that Gabriel invited him to do, right? And and he realized that the 70 years of exile was just about over. If he did his math right... That they were at the end of that time, and that's a that's an amazingly joyful thing. I, I can feel it a little bit because I have so much hope that our our current pestilence is almost over, right? I feel like woohoo! Can you imagine that? I can't help myself. I hugged a couple of people today. I could not help myself. I apologize, but I'm so anticipating um, this thing being over, right? Imagine if it was 70 years, right? Imagine if it was 70 years, and not only were they not able to uh, experience the presence of God during that time but they but they were even experiencing their familiar home right they were exiled from their homeland so daniel's going it's just about time god am i right is this just about time and there was good news and there was bad news the good news was yes the 70 years was about over and they and some of them remember that 70 years is a lifetime right so most of them Had passed away during that time. Does that sound familiar? Remember the 40 years in the wilderness? Two, three guys, right? Three guys made it through those 40 years. There's a very small number of people that remember Jerusalem. And as it turns out, a lot of people didn't go back. At least in the first wave. The good news was the exile was over. The bad news was that the full measure of their sin had not yet been realized. I said so many times that this is we're exactly where Daniel is, right? There's good news, there is hope, there is also hope. But know this for certain, beloved, and this is Dave now, not scripture. That the full measure of our sin has not yet been realized. It's gonna get worse before it gets better, right? Praise God, He's not dependent on our faithfulness, right? praise God. Our future is dependent on his faithfulness. But he is just as well as merciful, right? And so he says to Daniel, and this is the confusing part about this vision, he says, now 70 weeks. You know, I can do that. I did 70 years. I can do 70. He's not talking about weeks of days. He's talking about weeks of years. You remember that they had 70 years in exile because they did not keep the sabbatical every seventh year they were supposed to let the land life follow they were supposed to spend a year trusting in the faithfulness of god and they did not do it i'm not going to throw stones because i have not done it i've known this for 30 years and the amount of faith it takes to stop what you're doing and just rest in the mercy of god is an incredible amount you know it because you try and do it on a weekly basis right sabbath is an expression of sabbatical as well. And how how, how does that work for you, right? How does that work? It's hard, isn't it? It's hard. And so the 70 years of exile were a result of their lack of faithfulness in keeping the sabbatical years, so they paid for them 70 times, right? But in those 70 years, they still didn't repent. They still didn't change their hearts. And so God says, Yes, yes, some of you will go back. Um, it'll be nothing like you were expecting. Um, now, 70 weeks of years, or if you do the math, 490 years are set apart uh, for the purposes of God. You're not there yet. Now, I have a hard time thinking 70 years in the future. I mean, our country is only, what, 200-some years old, right? So, so 490 years... God says to Daniel, before these things will be reconciled, what will happen? Six purposes, he says. I know that you're thinking... Tell me when this is all going to happen. You're, you're asking, Dave, interpret this vision as a prediction, right? But I, I don't want to think about predictions right now. I'm going to encourage you to think about purposes. I want you to think about the purpose of God, because that's what Gabriel says clearly to Daniel. And there's three coming from a negative perspective and three coming from a positive perspective, right? What will happen in these next 490 years and, and this, by the way, is happening and, at eighty. Excuse me, BC five thirty nine BC. And so, what's happening here? He says very clearly, right, from from the um, moment that the word goes out to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of the Anointed One. He says, for these next four hundred ninety years after. The word goes out to restore Jerusalem, not to return to Jerusalem, but to restore Jerusalem. Most people think that happened in 445 B.C. From the moment that 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 word goes out, six things are going to happen. Transgression is going to be finished. Remember, the whole reason they're in exile is because they walked over the line. They crossed the line with God six purposes to finish transgression to put an end to sin right to put an end to sin and to atone for iniquity wow and then he says three positive things to bring in everlasting righteousness right to seal or in this case not um, not like the, like the visions to seal it and hide it, to, to fulfill both vision and prophet. To fulfill this vision and you, Daniel, as a prophet, right? To anoint, and we're very careful here, a most holy. And then the word that's used right there, right? The word that's used is place in your ESV Bible, but it's a word that could mean a place or a thing Or a person. Right? To anoint a most holy. Most holy. I'm going to say person. Right? You're going to be. Really tempted. And there will be many people. Who put in a nice neat package for you. And tell you that on this date. These things are going to happen. I want to. I want to suggest to you. And this is Dave now. This is Dave. And. And I invite you to consider the word. But I want to suggest to you that all of these things happened when Jesus came. All of these things. You say, wait a second. There's still sin, isn't there? Yes, but there's a solution for sin, right? Uh, God has broken the power of sin over you, right? God has gifted you with this ability. Now, we're in three phases. The phase that's happening right now is that the penalty for sin has been overcome. The anointed one, who Gabriel said would both come and also be cut off in those 70 weeks of years, right? If you take Nehemiah's um, uh, call to go and rebuild Jerusalem now, not just the temple, but to rebuild Jerusalem, um, I'm, I, I'm stumbling as I say this, and I'll explain why. Let me get it out, and then I'll explain it. Um, there are ways of looking at that that come out in AD, somewhere between AD 28 and 34. Now, I'm going to press pause and say the Hebrew calendar is an amazing thing. It is incredibly complex. They didn't have a Gregorian calendar, right? The, if you Google Hebrew calendar, and and watch the complications as they try and manage a year. But even taking just an average, saying that every time spring came around, so an average of three hundred sixty years, uh, which is what the Hebrews tended to do, um, it appears that it comes out right at the time of Christ. And I believe when we get to heaven, we're going to see the exact things. Chad, you and I have talked so many times about remember the sacrifice of of uh, Isaac on Mount Moriah. And I just, I just feel that we're going to get to heaven and find out it happened exactly, the location, the exact spot where Jesus was crucified, right? We're going to get to heaven and find out the exact beauty of God's timing. But what, what we have to wrestle with here is that we've seen in Daniel now a pattern as well as a promise, right? Right? God's promises have proven true, but he also has revealed a pattern. And we'll see next week as we look at the final vision of Daniel that that over and over again, human beings put themselves in the place of God and and exalt themselves before God, and God humbles them and brings them low. I want to just invite you, resist the temptation to as... As um, Luke wrote, uh, Jesus spoke in in Acts uh, chapter 1 to know the times and the dates, right? Forget the times and the dates. Understand the purposes. Because, beloved, if in fact these things are true now, then you and I are living in the kingdom of God right now now right if remember we saw from psalm 91 from everlasting i'm gonna do your direction so i can from from eternity past to everlasting eternity future you are god right so so uh we we understand that there is a time when the fullness of god will come in what happened when jesus came was that eternity future intersected Our reality and and every person who comes to understand the saving grace of Jesus Christ no longer waits for the kingdom of God, but the kingdom of God has come. Now we are on his side. (laughs) Now we are partnering with God in bringing mercy and justice and grace to a world that so desperately needs it right so the most common understanding, the one that in our culture is mostly propagated, is a future one that this last week of Daniel will happen sometime in the future. I want to suggest to you that, that they're not wrong and that there will be an Antichrist coming. We will study that in depth in Revelation. But if you miss the fact that the kingdom of God has already come in Jesus Christ, then you're missing everything you're missing the grace that is yours. You're missing the answer to your prayer for mercy, right? You're missing the opportunity that God has placed before you to be his partner in ministry. So let me crank this up. What, what is the purpose of the vision for us? The kingdom of God has come, right? The kingdom of God has come. I want you to be free from the insatiable desire to predict, right? I want you to be free from that. I want you to live into the reality of God's grace and mercy right now. So, so three powerful things for us, right? Plead for mercy, right? Receive insight and understanding. But I love this about Daniel chapter 9. Know that you are greatly loved, right? Know that you are greatly loved. At the beginning of your pleas, Gabriel says, at the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out and I have come to tell you for you are greatly loved. You are, uh, Pastor Dave, you don't know me, right? You don't know what's, I've done. You don't know the things that have been done to me. All my life I've been told that I was not worthy of love. All my life I have felt that I was unworthy. God says, I created you in my image. You are my precious daughter. You are my precious son. And you... Are greatly loved. How can you say that, Pastor Dave? How can you steal a verse out of Daniel and claim it for for us right now? Because in in the New Testament, in John three sixteen, we read, "For God so loved." Yeah, that has incredible ramifications. It means that our enemies, uh, the people who are totally opposed to the things of God, He loves. But today. I want you to understand that even when you were his enemy, he loved you. And now that you're his friend, now that you're his friend, he wants you to know that. And to live out of that identity, you are greatly loved. Greater love has no one than this, Jesus said in John 15, that someone laid down his life for his friends. Would you come on up, worship team? Greater love has no one than this, that someone would lay down their life. That's the definition of a sacrificial love, the agape love of God. Well, why, why was Daniel loved by God? I realize I didn't pull this thing out. Was it because uh, of his good works? Was it because of his nature and character? I want to attribute all those things to Daniel. I'm just astounded by this man, Right. I want to attribute him. I want to put him on a pedestal. But here's the reality. Daniel was just like you and me. He had his good days and he had his bad days, right? He had those days when he felt the power and presence of God. And he had those days when it felt like Psalm 13, that God had forgotten him, that God was far away. We don't keep God's commandments to be loved. That's performance-based love, right? That's the lie that the world wants to tell you. If you only live a perfect life, then God will love you. No, no. We keep God's commandments because he loved us. We do it as a love response to his grace-based, not performance-based, his grace-based love, oh beloved of God. God loves you more than you could ever imagine. And there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ. So let's live into that future. Can we? Let's not try and put times and dates on stuff. Let's live into that future. And then should we be alive when, when the fulfillment of, of this prophecy and Daniel chapter 9 comes true. We'll be all right. We will be okay because we will have found our identity in the love of God expressed in the kingdom of God. And Jesus wanted us so much to understand that and to know that. That's why I think he gave us this reminder, right? What is this bread? It is the body of Christ given for you. He lived this human life that he's asking you to live in, in a way that you and I haven't. He honored God. And when we remember his body given for us, then God, God gives to us the righteousness of Jesus. None of us are righteous. No, not one, Right. But Christ is. And then we remember him in the in the blood, symbolized by the Jews here today, right? The life is in the blood. When Christ gave his life, it was as if your life was offered instead. As Paul would put it in, in Galatians, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took bread. If you struggle with this, know that I'm struggling with it too. Take off the just the top layer, if you would. He took bread and when he'd given thanks, he gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat. This is my body given for you. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this is the new covenant in my blood poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me, he said. Paul says, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim, you prophesy. You align yourself with the message of Gabriel. You proclaim his kingdom until he comes. Do this in remembrance of him. Let's worship him together, shall we?